We do want to continue on uh, this theme of discipleship that there is in this lengthy chapter of Luke's Gospel, chapter 9. And when you come to these verses that we have read here again this evening, we have uh, called this here section the qualifications for discipleship, and there are four that are to be found in this particular portion of Scripture. We looked at the first one last uh, Wednesday evening, and it's there in verse 23, self-denial. It says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And we were thinking a little bit about uh, self-denial and what is involved uh, in that, as we are those who are called to uh, follow the Lord. Uh, This evening, we want to come to the next one. It's there in verse 23 as well, and that is the taking up of our cross and the following of Christ. The other two, just to fill them out there, and we'll come on eventually to those. Uh, Self-sacrifice is found in verses 24 and 25, and then also in verse 26, uh, we are never to be ashamed of Christ. So those are the four qualifications that are here in this particular section. And uh, we've said before, it maybe bears repeating, that Luke is gathering a number of incidences that took place in the Savior's life around a theme here. He's not necessarily following these through in um, chronological sequence. This is not the order that these events took place in. There were other events. If you go and look up a harmony of the Gospels, you will find that there were a number of other events that took place in between these, and some of the other gospel writers will fill that in uh, for us. But Luke isn't, at this point, so much concentrating on just recording one event after another. What he's doing is gathering certain events out of the Savior's life around a theme, and the theme in this chapter is that of discipleship. And you might even uh, look up the harmony and think, well, does that... You know, not a little out of place to have it in here in this particular place. Well, not so if we understand uh, the, the reason why Luke is gathering together these things. And he's doing it ultimately under inspiration. The Lord is directing him to do this. So and while each of these incidences can be considered in their own right, for example, we have thought about the, the feeding of the 5,000 and how that ties in here with discipleship. And yet you can go and think about the feeding of the 5,000 all on its own. It stands on its own as, as one of the miracles, one of the great miracles that the Lord Jesus did. And there are, there are lessons there, but Luke is tying it in here into this wider theme of discipleship. And it is worth remembering that when we come to consider some of the details in this chapter. But these statements that we're looking at now, beginning there at verse 23, they very obviously have to do with discipleship. They're well-known statements. They're found in some of the other Gospels as well. And... Uh, we're working our way through them. So self-denial was the first one, and the need of that denying of self. That's important if we're ever going to be true disciples of Jesus Christ. We have to deny ourselves. Self cannot be first. Self cannot be first. Self must be dethroned, because in our natural hearts, self is on the throne. Christ is dethroned, and it has to be the other way around. If we're going to be the followers of Christ, we must put Christ on the throne and we must dethrone self. Self must be, foot, self must be found at the foot of the throne, at the footstool, subservient, broken, yielded. So there is the need for self-denial. And then that brings us on now to think about uh, the need to bear our cross uh, daily and follow Christ. 
Now, that's going to involve a willingness on our part, first of all, to endure hardships. And we've mentioned this already, that the Lord forewarned of that. But the spirit that's going to bear hardships is going to be a spirit of willing to bear a cross. And then also we're going to be willing to undergo personal trials in the pursuit of the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ. If Christ is truly on the throne of our hearts and lives, then we will be willing to bear certain things. We will be willing to carry, to carry a cross, maybe even more than just one cross in a sense, in order to pursue the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. Because Christ's honor will become so important. It will become all important. There will be nothing else that will be more of interest to us than that Christ is honored and glorified in all things. And if that means that to bring that about, you and I are called upon to carry a cross, then so be it. So be it. Now, there is the allusion here to the the Roman custom of compelling those who were condemned to be crucified to carry their cross to the place of crucifixion. We're familiar with that. We know what happened with the life of the Lord Jesus, how Simon was compelled to carry the cross. If we just stay here in Luke's gospel, turn over to Luke 23, just to refresh our memories there of what is the the Roman custom. This wasn't a a one-off. This wasn't something out of the ordinary. This was a practice among the Romans. Um, uh, Sorry, Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 23, verse 26. And as they led him away, that's the Lord Jesus, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country. And on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. The Savior was so weak physically, he could not carry his cross. You see, the Romans were always careful. I don't want to get off into a tangent tonight and, uh, and take time up on this, but the Romans were always careful in scourging the, 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 the individual sentenced to crucifixion because they did not want them to die while they were being scourged. They did not want them to die on the way to crucifixion. They wanted them to be crucified. That was the sentence that had been passed upon them by the governor, whoever the judge was, in in whatever situation. So the Romans were very careful in scourging. They, they They would scourge so far, and then they would stop because they did not want the person to die, in a sense, and die in custody. They wanted them to be taken to Uh, the place of crucifixion and uh, undergo the penalty of crucifixion. But remember what Pilate said? Pilate said to the people, I'll scourge him and then I'll let him go. So Christ was commanded to be scourged in a different way. The scourging of Christ was different to the scourging of any other prisoner. Christ was scourged in such a fashion that he he wasn't going to be crucified. Pilate wanted to release him. So they were, they were happy in, this, in the act of scourging to take Christ to the point, almost to the point of death, but not to kill him. Because Pilate had said, I'll scourge him and then I'll let him go, thinking that that'll please the, the people, it'll placate their, their anger. But as we know, they cried out, no, crucify him. That, is, that isn't enough. You can scourge him all you like, but we still want him crucified. So having been scourged in that fashion then, he was sentenced to crucifixion too. And that's why the Savior was not able to carry his cross, because his scourging was greater than any other prisoner's scourging. And then they led him out, and he could not carry the cross uh, because of how he had been scourged. And that's why they laid 
uh, hold upon Simon here and they make him to carry the cross. But it was the normal custom that the condemned prisoner would carry their own cross to the point of crucifixion and then they would be nailed upon that cross and hung up there uh, to die in, in that form. So there's, there's this well-known uh, picture that was very familiar to the, those of the Savior's time. But the Lord Jesus is here taking it up and applying it in, in this uh, theme of discipleship. There's, there's carrying a cross. Now, the cross is going to be a burden. Somebody who's been scourged, somebody who, is, who has been so mistreated and they're going to be taken out and crucified, the cross is going to, and certainly going to be heavy. And there's that thought of, of something that weighs heavily upon us. And there might be times when something weighs heavily upon us. Even tonight, that, that might be your circumstances in life. Something weighs heavily upon you. And it's a cross to carry in order that Christ might be glorified. You think of Paul and his thorn in the flesh. That was a cross for him to carry. Three times he sought the Lord to take it away and the Lord refused. The Lord said, no, Paul, I'm not going to take it away. I'm going to give you the grace. My grace is sufficient. I'll give you the grace to endure. I'll give you the grace to carry the cross, but I'm not going to take it away. Now, humanly speaking, it's reckoned that Paul's thorn in the flesh was, was an eye disease. He, he wrote to the Galatians and he said, you would have, you'd have given me your very eyes. So it's, it's reckoned from that and the fact that also writing to the Galatians, he said, you see how large a letter I have written unto you. And he's not talking there about the length of the letter. In fact, the word is the word alphabet. He's actually saying about the letter. It may well have been the letter P that he signed, a large P that he would have signed the letter with. Somebody else wrote the letter. As we know, that was the case in, in many of Paul's epistles. And then Paul signed it off at the end. And on that occasion, when he was writing to the Galatians, he said, you see how large a letter I have written. And it's not to deal with the length of the letter because Galatians is not the longest of Paul's epistles, but is referring to how he signed it off. He says, you'll see the very large letter I wrote at the end. Paul put his stamp upon it. And in that same epistle, as I've mentioned, he said, you, you Galatians, you would have given me your very eyes. So it was taken that Paul's thorn in the flesh was something to do with his eyes. It wasn't just bad eyesight. It was, it was much more than that. Something that, that even made him uh, repugnant to look upon. But humanly speaking, we would have thought of, you know, of all the men that the Lord chose to write the New Testament. And Paul wrote more than half the books of the, the New Testament. Well, why would it be that the man that the Lord was going to choose to write half of the New Testament would be a man that would have to carry a cross that would hinder him to write, that would require him to get somebody else to actually write down the words that he was dictating to them? You, know, you and I, if it, was, if it was mere human thinking, we would say, well, now make sure that man can can write well. We, we, wouldn't be, we wouldn't be giving them a cross to bear. We wouldn't be saying, well, here, this man who's going to write half of the New Testament, and he's going to do it under inspiration, but, but we're also going to give him a hardship. We're going to give him a hindrance. We're going to give him an eye disease that means he can't write, and he's going to depend on someone else to write for him. That's not how we would reason it out. Our reasoning would be, well, we'd want Paul now to be a very good writer, but not so the Lord. The Lord determined that he was going to put a cross in Paul's life, a burden, something that would weigh heavily upon him, 
And it did, evidently it did weigh heavily upon him when he sought the Lord three times to take it away. Paul actually must have felt, if I only could get released from this, if I only had this taken away, it would be so much easier to serve the Lord. I could do things so much better if I just didn't have this problem. And three times he cried unto the Lord, Lord, take this away. I could serve you better if you took it away. I could do so much more for the Lord if you just take it away, Lord. But the Lord didn't. The Lord said, no, Paul, I'm not going to take it away, but I'll give you the grace to bear it. So Paul had his cross to bear. And many saints, I, I would go as far as saying that every saint has a cross to carry in some way or another. I don't think we should ever look on at another Christian and think, oh, they, they have it much easier than I have. We don't know what crosses another person carries. The cross that another person may carry may be very visible and we all see it, but there might be others, many others, that we, we don't see the cross that they carry. It's not obvious. It's something that's hidden from, from view, but nevertheless, it's something that weighs heavily upon them and is a great burden to them, and, and other believers don't see it. So I don't think it is right for any Christian to look on at another believer and, and think, oh, they don't have any crosses to carry. We don't know that. We don't know what irons in their soul about some matter or other that weighs heavily upon them. We don't. So we can't, we can't say that. And that's why I think, it is, I think it is scriptural to say it. It'd be no good otherwise. It's not just an opinion. I, I think it's scriptural to say that in some way or another, there's going to be a cross to carry if we're going to really follow the Lord. Because the Lord here, He isn't, he isn't setting before His disciples some possibilities. That's not how this, this portion reads here in verse 21. The, the, the point about denying ourselves isn't just a possibility. That's an absolute necessity. He says we can't follow him if we don't deny ourselves. Well, I think the other follows on as well. We can't really follow him unless we take up the cross. Unless we take up the cross. Because if you remember again with regards to Paul, there was a reason why the Lord left the cross. Paul, Paul hadn't came to understand it there in, in Corinthians. He says, lest I be exalted above measure. It was a need to self-denial. It was a need to self-denial. The carrying of the cross for Paul was a need to self-denial. Lest I be exalted above measure. Now, Paul had that glorious vision of being taken up into the third heaven, entering into glory itself and seeing things that was not lawful for a man to utter. And he didn't utter them all his life in all of his writings, all of his inspired writings. He never uttered what he seen that day that he was taken up into the third heaven. But because he had seen such tremendous things, he says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's cross is for that particular purpose. What I am saying is that the Lord has a purpose in the cross, whatever that purpose might be. Paul came to understand that that was the purpose with regards to him that lest he be exalted above measure. But that's not necessarily the reason why there's a cross in a particular life. That may be the reason why the Lord would put a, a cross upon us and have us to bury, to carry a particular cross. It is that it would be a need to self-denial, lest we would be exalted above measure. But maybe there's another reason. There could be another reason. There could be any number of reasons. 
as to why the Lord would give a Christian a cross to carry. But we do know this, that our God is all-wise, that He is all-sovereign. He is infinitely wise. He does not make mistakes. He hasn't made a mistake in the cross that He has given you or me. And you might come tonight, you might be living your Christian experience, and you might feel, if I only could get rid of this cross, this burden. But the Lord doesn't make mistakes, Christian. The Lord doesn't make mistakes. The Lord has designed the cross specifically for us. I think it's the same with regards, and I've said it before, I I think the Lord tests His people. If we really want to follow the Lord and go through with God, somewhere along the line, the Lord's going to test us, just like He tested Abraham. Will we really put the Lord first? Are we really going to own the Lord as the way that we ought? And uh, maybe there's times when the Lord will put us to the test in that. And I think the Lord gives to every Christian a cross of one sort or another to carry in order to help us to be good disciples. And here he is explaining this. And he's saying that if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So if we're going to follow after Christ, if there's going to be this going after him, a real seeking after the Lord, a real following of the Lord, a real serving of the Lord, a real going out after God in the way that that we ought and that is glorifying to the Lord, then he says, let that person take up their cross. There's going to be somewhere that we have to take up the cross. Even that phrase, to take up the cross, suggests that there needs to be a willingness to embrace it on our part. You know, sometimes our our thoughts might be, well, if, if I could swap this cross for another cross, if I had the other person's cross, oh, it would be a lot easier. And we look on at somebody else and we think, oh, if I could just swap my life with their life or my cross, particularly with their cross, it would be a lot easier. But surely it is suggested here in this phrase where it says, take up the cross daily and follow me that we have to be willing to embrace it. Whatever the Lord has, has determined to be the cross for you or me, we have to embrace it. Instead of resenting it, instead of wishing it was something else, something different, I wish I could change these circumstances, would the Lord suggest to us that rather than wanting to change it, that we embrace it, that we take it up, that we take it up, and that we carry it. We have to carry a cross somehow, some way. Somewhere we're going to carry a cross. And maybe you've even come tonight to the prayer meeting and you've felt, I'm carrying the cross. It feels heavier than ever. Well, the Lord will give grace. He gave grace to Paul. Even when, humanly speaking, you might think all of those circumstances was a great hindrance to Paul. And what the Lord had set before him, the work that he had called him to do, not only in the preaching and traveling and and meeting people, if, if it was something that was so visible as well that even put people off, made them turn away. Remember that the, the Corinthians made comments about Paul's bodily appearance? So there, there's commentators who believe that there was something even you know, visibly about Paul that would, that would turn people's face away. And yet the Lord used him mightily. The Lord uses this man who has even trouble writing to write half the New Testament, to write some of the deepest theological works that there are in the New Testament. Paul is the theologian of the New Testament. Romans and Hebrews are those deep theological books, Galatians as well. And he's the one that the Lord chose to write these books, and yet he's the one that the Lord chose to give a particular cross to. So the Lord would have us to pick up the cross, take it up, 
and to carry uh, the, the cross with us. You'll notice there as well that we are to do it daily. We are to do it daily. Take up his cross daily. This isn't, a, this isn't something that, that uh, comes into our life now and again. This isn't something that's the exception. The Lord says the cross is to be carried daily, every day, every day. Maybe you feel that. Maybe sometimes you feel, I have a cross every day to carry. Well, the Lord understands that. The Lord here is speaking about that. And in that sense, he would, he would have us to carry the cross daily. Because in carrying this cross, the Lord will see to it that it works out to his glory. And if we tie these two points together, as they're evidently they are here in verse 23, the denying of ourselves and the carrying of the cross go together in a sense. They're, they're virtually in the same sentence here. They are in the same uh, sentence. So there's, there's a connection here. The denying of self, the carrying of the cross. Well, we've mentioned the denying of, of ourselves is the enthroning of Christ and the dethroning of self. It's the bringing of self down to the footstool if we're going to deny ourselves. So Christ is going to be uplifted and exalted. And therefore, in picking up the cross and carrying the cross, it is something that will glorify Christ in the end. If I carry the cross, if I carry it by the grace of God, and though it may weigh heavily upon us, yet by his grace we carry it, it will be to his glory and will be to his honor. Was what, not, was what happened to Paul not to the honor of the Lord? Does Paul not mention that at times, that it had fallen out for the glory of God and the furtherance of the kingdom of God? The Lord knows what he is doing. We may not understand at times. The cross may feel heavy upon us at times. We may wish that the cross was lifted or taken away, but the Lord knows best. The Lord knows best. Listen to the words of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Now listen to those last words again. But if when ye do well and ye suffer for it, and ye take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. What's not so much acceptable or what's not mentioned as being acceptable here is being buffeted for our faults and we take it patiently. When we're buffeted for the things that we have done that we ought not to have done and we know fine well, I'm only getting my just desserts. That's no better than I deserve. And we bear it. Well, why should we not if we were the one that did the wrong in the first place and we're being buffeted for wrong? But, no, there's a different scenario here. It's when we do well, when you do good, and you suffer for it. When you want to honor the Lord and please the Lord and serve the Lord and follow the Lord, and it seems as if you suffer for it. But Peter says, if you take it patiently, that's acceptable with God. Carrying the cross patiently is acceptable with God. The Lord sees. The Lord observes. The Lord observes. So we are not to resent whatever cross it is the Lord has sent our way and would have us to take up and to carry but also, I was noticing this in one of the commentators uh, today in preparing this, that we ought not to make crosses for ourselves. We ought not to make crosses for ourselves. We must only accommodate those which God has made for us. We are not to make crosses out of something that we can avoid. We are not to make crosses for ourselves in that sense. 
Sometimes there is the idea that is prevalent among God's people, among some Christians at times, that somehow the more that we suffer, that somehow this is better. Therefore, we, we make crosses. We look for crosses. We make crosses out of things that we could easily avoid. One of the commentators put it like this, that we should not, we should not take a detour either to, uh, either to uh, make a cross for us or to miss carrying a cross the Lord has ordained for us. We are to accept whatever the cross is that the Lord sends and not to make crosses out of anything else. Ultimately, it is for the purpose that we might follow him. And you'll see that at the end of verse 23 here as we come to a close. It is that we might follow him. And that's what this theme is all about here in this uh, chapter, following Christ, discipleship. It is that we might follow him. So the cross is designed ultimately to help us to follow Christ. Ultimately, it is designed to help us to follow Christ. And may the Lord indeed then give us the grace to do that. And whatever your cross is tonight, and as I say, you might come even to the prayer meeting and Bible study and you feel the cross is heavy upon you. Well, the Lord understands. The Lord knows. And the Lord will give you grace. He will give us all grace to carry whatever that particular cross is. And we'll, we'll learn to bless it. Maybe not now as we go through that experience, but in, the, in the, the hereafter, when we're at home with the Lord, then we'll understand why. Didn't the Lord say that to his disciples? What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And they didn't understand at that time. And there are some things we do not understand. The Lord has not said he will give us full understanding of everything in this world. There are some things that we must trust him for. And surely this is one of them when we think about the fact that he may give us a cross and that he does and that we're to take it up daily. Because our, again, our, I am, our natural reaction would be if I, if I didn't have this, would it not be a lot easier to, to serve the Lord? That would be human reasoning to think if I could just get away with this. If I, if I didn't have this trouble, this would be so much easier to, to live the, for the Lord and serve the Lord. That's our human reasoning. Our ways are not the Lord's ways. And we must remember that. And if the Lord ordains a particular cross, then it is for our good and for his ultimate glory. And may the Lord help us. It is one of the marks here, one of these qualifications, as we have called it, that we take up the cross daily and we follow the Lord. And may the Lord help us to do that and to press on and to know grace. One point in my notes, I, I, I will finish with this. In carrying our cross, in a sense, we're entering into the sufferings of Christ. In carrying a cross, we are identifying more and more with Jesus Christ. Would that be why he is a cross of one sort or another for every Christian? He would have every Christian to identify with him in some way or another. So when we carry the cross, it is a reminder every time of what Christ carried for us. And as we've mentioned about what happened to the Saviour, even to the fact that he, he needed help. He couldn't carry the cross all by himself, and he had to um, have help. And Simon of Cyrene, uh, Cyrene was compelled to carry the cross with him. But when you and I have a cross to carry, it's, it brings us to identify with Christ. It helps us to enter into the sufferings of Christ. Peter talks about being a partaker of the sufferings of Christ. And is it in this sense in which we are? Now, our sufferings are not redemptive. 
That's not what I'm saying. Christ's sufferings were redemptive for us, but our sufferings are not redemptive. But when we enter into, when we suffer, we carry a cross of one sort, and it's heavy upon us. May that cross remind us of what the Savior carried for us. And the next time you feel the heaviness of the cross that you're carrying in life, may the grace of God make us to think, my Savior carried a far heavier cross for me. And he didn't have to. He didn't have to. We'll finish there. I trust the Lord will bless his word and it'll be profit for us.